This is Issues 2022. I'm Steve McIntosh, and our guest is Matt Fouts, Director of Tanganyika Wildlife Park. Welcome to Issues 2022, Matt. Nice to have you with us. Yeah, thank you for, for having me. Why don't you give us a little history this morning. Uh, when and how did Tanganyika Wildlife Park get started, Matt? Yeah, so Tanganyika was started by my parents, Jim and Sherry Fouts. And, uh, you know, Jim was actually one of the original zookeepers out at the Cedric County Zoo when it first opened back in the 1970s. Uh, I think when he started there, they just had the farms. So <laughs> I was right at the very beginning. But as it grew, uh, he got to take on more responsibility. He was, he was actually one of the original keepers uh, for the, the elephants, Cinda and Stephanie, when they first came. So uh, that's kind of how he started out and uh, eventually got into bird breeding, uh, was doing his own his own thing. And uh, from there, transitioned to, to mammals and uh, kind of wanted to build this world-class collection or a world-class breeding facility for rare and endangered species out, uh, out here in Goddard. And, uh, you know, just kind of grew from there. When, when did that start? When did you first start the park? Yeah, so we, well, we built our first barn out here in 1985. So uh, we've been out here breeding animals for, you know, for over, what, 35 years now, I guess. Mm. But, um it wasn't until 2000 that we started doing private tours just in the backyard <laughs> uh, where they got to see like seven species of animals, but they got to feed the lemurs through the fence and feed the giraffes. So that was, you know, pretty cool for people. Um, and then, you know, we, by 2004 or five, we we're doing almost four or 5,000 people on this little backyard tour. So we, we were like, you know, we should, uh, we should just build a zoo from the ground up. And that's what we did. The uh, the park officially opened August second, two thousand eight. So we're we're coming up on our thirteenth anniversary. So how big is the park? So in, in terms of land, uh, we have about a hundred acres, but the park itself right now that guests access is about twenty five. So we have quite a, a bit of room for expansion. We have you know a little over I think five hundred animals right now. So I think it's. It's the third largest collection in the state of Kansas, so Cedric County and Rolling Hills uh, would be the other two that are larger. And uh, so, I, I don't know, I guess there's different ways to define size. <laughs> that's two of the more common ones. Well, let's just look at it this way. That's quite a bit of growth over just the past few years. You guys have really gone to town out there. Yeah, I mean, it's it's been pretty crazy, the, uh, the, the growth. I mean, we went from... In 2004 or five, I, I think it was 2005, we, we had four employees. Uh, and now, you know, this year uh, we have 140 on the payroll. So, um, you know, that's a, a significant amount of growth, uh, especially, especially for me as a leader. <laughs> I've had to, had, to grow, had to grow a lot to, you know, it's, it's a lot different managing three people versus 140. So Yeah. Well, uh, you're not, you're all a private organization. You're not funded by the county or the city or anybody, right? Yeah, that's correct. So we, we are family owned. Uh, we're private. And, and um, unlike like most zoos, you know, Cedric County is obviously, but most zoos are, are usually, you know, kind of government. They're either owned or operated or subsidized by a, you know, a local government of some sort. And so um, we, we are not. And 100% of what we need to, to create these, these world-class breeding facilities and provide the care for all the animals here comes from people coming out to the park and visiting or having a corporate event or whatever it might be. Tell me about your involvement with the park. I get the impression, Matt, that you're a hands-on uh, type of leader. Uh, I know you were doing a big chore yesterday. I don't know if you want to talk about what you were doing, but <laughs> you, you had something exciting going on. 
Yeah. So, uh, you know, I mean, I, I took over as director was last February. So a little over a year ago, um, Jim, Jim took the title of director emeritus. So he's still very involved with his animal collection and everything, but, um, I'm overseeing most all the day to day functions of the park. And yesterday was definitely an exciting day. We, uh, we got five new, uh, white rhinos from Africa. So, uh, Jim has been working on importing. He, he imports a lot of animals for zoos, uh, a lot of rhinos, even uh, helped import the elephants for Sedgwick County when they came. So he helped source them in Africa and everything. We didn't, didn't get to talk about it much, but, uh, but you know, he's very involved with that. And so we, we got five of our own rhinos this time from, from Africa, uh, and they're white rhinos. So it's the first time we've had white rhinos uh, to go with our two Indian rhinos that we currently have. Um, and so, yeah, it's been a chore. It was, you know, trying to get all the permits lined up and then the flights and then COVID happened. And it just, it was, um, it's taken us almost three years to, to make this happen. And so it was a pretty awesome feeling getting them unloaded yesterday. Uh, you know, when, when we got, finally got them here and out of the crates and into their new barn and, and everything. So they will be off exhibit, uh, they're, but they're going to be part of our new safari park when we get it opened up. I get this picture of these animals. You can't put them in a business class jets and bring them over. You got to <laughs> ship them in some sort of a, a pretty large aircraft, right? Yeah. Well, you know what's crazy about that? I think uh, most people don't realize that that most of the animals do actually transport on uh, passenger planes. So maybe not business jets, but they, uh, you know, when you're flying over on that 747 or whatever it might be, they're actually in the cargo hold down below you. So. Uh, you know, that, that's where a lot of the airlines make a lot of their money is actually on freight, not so much on the passengers. And so um, Jim has a lot of great stories about, <laughs> about uh, tra- you know, basically he flies with them, but he'll be up in a passenger seat, but they're down in the cargo hold. But he's got a lot of great stories about, uh, about some of his imports and stuff. But, yeah, they're just down there in, in the cargo hold with your suitcase. You didn't even realize it. Well. Let's uh, I'll talk about something a little negative here for a second, but everybody's been uh, been through this. How has the COVID pandemic impacted your operation, Matt? Yeah, I think you know it. It definitely forced us to to think outside the box a little bit. I mean, being an outside venue, we were a little less affected than I think a lot of you know restaurants or even like concerts, that kind of thing. But uh, but we definitely had to. to navigate through it. Uh, and it wasn't, it wasn't easy. We, we did make a commitment to our team to retain everybody. So we did do that, but, uh, it, you know, we, we made some changes to, you know, we added the reservations and we added some different things just to try and help with staffing and make sure that we, we could keep people distanced and all that kind of stuff. So, um, it, it you know, it definitely impacted us you know, dropped our, dropped our attendance and all that stuff. And, you know, the animals don't care whether there's a pandemic or not. They don't care if you have one visitor or a thousand visitors, they still want to be taken care of. <laughs> so, um, you know, that cost, we were it wasn't able like, you know, restaurant, you can just kind of cl- turn off the lights and not order any food and, and you can cut your, your costs um, down significantly. But with the animals, we didn't really have that opportunity. So uh, it was, it was definitely tough, but we made it made it through. And of course, uh, with all the stimulus money last year, it was great. I just people were out and glad to be out and spending money. And so, uh, it seems this year, with the economy and no more stimulus and different things, are starting to tighten up a little bit. We're seeing that, I think. But yeah, sounds like you've you've survived anyway. How many? We did. We did. How many visitors? Let's talk about attendance a little bit. How many visitors 
does the park entertain in a year's time? Let's say a non-pandemic year's time. Yeah, non, yeah, yeah. so um, I think we've maxed out at about 136,000 visitors. Wow. So, I mean, it puts us, puts us as one of the top attractions in the, in the you know, the metro area, um, or at least one of the top paid attractions in the metro area. So Easily, easily. Where do, where, do, where do your visitors come from? Do you ever do any uh, surveying or, or questioning folks and find out where they're from? Yeah, we, we've done some of that. And then we also try to, uh, when, you know, the new reservation system, a lot of times you can uh, track zip codes, which, is, which can be helpful. So uh, we obviously see the biggest majority from here in Goddard on the west and the west side of Wichita. But uh, I think our next most popular zip code is Derby, uh, which is interesting. And then uh, from there, you know, we, we pull about 35, 40% of people outside the, the metro area. Well, yeah, outside the metro area. So, um, and about 20 of the percent of that is from outside the state, which is pretty cool. So I know when the pre pre pandemic, uh, the state was tracking, uh, visitation, the travel and tourism division. And, uh, I think we were pulling in the second most number of visitors from outside of Kansas, uh, other than number one was Cedric County, obviously with <laughs> they have a much larger attendance, but yeah. uh, we were at number two. So I thought for all outdoor attractions in the state of Kansas, that was pretty cool. When uh, now you have uh, is it a splash park? Is that what we call it? Then and when did you yeah. add that facility? So it it actually came online at the end of twenty. Um, it was supposed to come online earlier in the year, but COVID. So um, it came online at the very end of twenty. And then, you know, the grand opening was last year in uh, Memorial Day weekend. And so so it's been a little over, uh, you know, almost two years, I guess, if you count the fall, the part that it was open in the fall. Is it is it pretty popular with your guests? <clears throat> oh, yeah, it's been incredibly popular. And, of course, as it gets hotter, right, um, it's <laughs> nice. I think the, the perfect complement to the Splash Park, though, was that we opened a bar uh, right in between the playground and the Splash Park. So I think adults, have, most adults have enjoyed that quite a bit where, they can sit back and let the kids play in the splash park or on the playground and they can sit back and have a, you know, one of the local beers on tap or a frozen, frozen margarita. So uh, it's been, it's been a pretty big hit. I mean, if you, if you're here towards the end of the day, the park will look empty, but as soon as you walk down to the splash park, you can see where everybody's at. Ah, there you go. (laughs) Hey, you're listening to issues 2022 on the Odyssey radio stations. And our guest is Matt Fouts, director Tanganyika wildlife park, which is in Goddard. Let's talk about the stars of your show, Matt, the animals. Uh, how many exhibits do you actually have? So right now we have around 50 exhibits. And how many animals does that mean then? <laughs> um, that's, that's a good question. I know, I, you know, obviously it's not a one-to-one ratio, so uh, some of the exhibits might have six, seven animals, and, and some might have, like the rhinos, have one. So uh, I would say it's probably probably – I don't know, a hundred seems low, but mm-hmm. it's probably not 200. I mean, we have quite a few animals that just aren't on exhibit being that we still do a lot of breeding. Uh, we have breeding groups that aren't on exhibit. So, um, you know, there's a lot of stuff that people can see behind the scenes. If they do some of those experiences like our lions or our emer leopard, we have a, a melanistic or a black emer leopard. There's only like, there's less than 10 of them in the entire world. And so they can see some of those kinds of animals off exhibit on our behind the scenes tours. Wow. Uh, now, uh, which of the animals do you think are most popular with the public? 
I mean, they come out of there they're talking about something or one <laughs> somehow. Yeah, right. Usually, it's something they interacted with, right? Like that's that's the uh, the power of the park, if you will, is that strengthening the connection between people in the natural world. And almost always, it's something that they got to interact with, unless they're a big cat fan, right? Like they're not getting to to interact with uh, tigers when we had them or whatever. So, um, although that that being said, on the that behind the scenes with the the leopards and the lions, you can actually use a feeding stick, but you do get to feed them, and so um, that's been really popular. But um, you know, I think lemurs are probably our number one animal. Uh, a lot of people love our giraffes. Of course, we have I think one of the largest herd. And, I don't think I know. We have one of the largest herds of giraffe in the, in the United States. So uh, it's always pretty impressive to see. And there's, you know, youngsters in there. So you get all these different sizes. So I, th- I know those were two when we had the white tigers. Um, they were one of the more popular. And while our adults did retire, uh, we do have a new baby named Grayson. That's a white tiger. And uh, he just came to us here about a month or so ago. And uh, he's been very popular. So people have been enjoying him. So, I, mean, I think when I was out to the park, the lemur is a great animal. Is that the one you're not supposed to pet, or <laughs> yeah, yeah? So it can sit on you can sit on your lap, but you're not supposed to to touch yeah, it. Yeah. So it'll it'll touch you, but you can't touch it. Yeah, but what is that animal? This is it like a kangaroo, only it's smaller. <laughs> Which one? <laughs> it's not a kangaroo. Oh, lemurs. No, the kang- Oh, it's like a kangaroo, but it's not a lemur. But uh, anyway, not a lemur. Yeah, that, I mean, we have the red kangaroos in there, obviously, oh, yeah. and there's all different sizes in there. As far there as there's go. some younger ones and there everything, but yeah, yeah. You know, the, and also, can you actually can feed the giraffes? Is that true? Yeah, but you can feed the giraffes. You can feed the pygmy hippos. You can feed the Indian rhinos. Wow. Uh, of course, the lemurs, and then we have some oh, lorries, the lorikeets, and uh, and then the children's zoo animals, which is like bunnies, tortoises, and guinea pigs. Yeah, tell me about uh, tell me about your birds. You got a lot of birds out there. So we uh, we've been adding birds. So the more, most recent area that we added uh, new exhibits were we call it the nest, or it's just it's a, but it's a a little loop around where the lorikeet feeding was. So we have uh, an Australian parrot called the lorikeet that. Uh, people can come in and feed but then yeah we've been adding uh some other different birds like macaws or cockatoos we have some uh some pretty cool pigeons um big crown pigeons and taracos so toucans so we've been adding some of the birds i know you know jim started out in birds and he's always had a passion for them and and so he's been wanting to (laughs) wanting to add some more to to the park here so we've been slowly adding some new species of birds you were, talk, you were talking about a behind-the-scenes tour. Is uh, How does that work? Is that a separate ticket, or how do, how do you get the behind-the-scenes tour then? Yeah, so when you go to purchase your admission, <clears throat> you can, you can uh, after you've kind of selected the day you're going to come, it'll take you to another page, and it will show you all the different experiences that are available that day. And so, I mean, there's on any given day, there's probably 10 different experiences that you can do, and we... We do rotate some out. So sometimes we have what we call monthly exclusives where they're only available that month. So, you, you know, maybe once or twice a year you can do these experiences. But we have so many that we try to kind of rotate them out. The other option is to, if you go to our website, twpark.com, you'll see a wildly different experiences and you can click that and then you can just book the experiences directly. So if you don't really want to walk around the park and you just want to do a sloth behind the scenes experience, or you just want to swim with the penguins, 
you can go straight to the website, just book those experiences by themselves and um, not do the park admission. Okay. Now, uh, I don't want to leave any animals out. Anybody that we don't want to not mention an animal, we might offend them. Is, is <laughs> anything else you want to mention as far as your contact and people getting to be, have a real contact with these animals? Um, I mean, you know, I just we want to encourage people to come out. I know, uh, you know, the, the park is is a little more expensive than, than most zoos, and part of that is because we aren't subsidized. But, you know, part of that is because the experiences that we're providing, the, the wow moments and the, and the lifetime memories are just, uh, they're incredibly rare, but there's stuff that your, your kids and, and your other family members or friends are not going to forget, right? And so, uh, you know, we just want people to come out, strengthen that connection so that they'll help us and help other people just try to, to preserve species. So, you know, when, when you come out, if, you, if you've been to the park but you haven't done an experience, I'd, I'd encourage you to add one on and, and really get that more personal, intimate experience with the animals. One of the things you've talked about with me over the years, you and your, your, your parents, is, and something you've talked about briefly this morning, is uh, exchange, breeding animals, exchanging animals. You're a breeding zoo. Uh, tell me about that and, and how you do that. Yeah, so, uh, you know, Jim, we, I mean, we have over 43 successful breeding programs for rare and endangered species here at the park. Um, and we've just, I, we've been very, very good about it. I mean, the, the joke that we like to make is a lot of zoos think that it's, you know, it's Marvin Gaye, but really the, the secret's Barry Manilow, right? Like, that's what yeah. the animal's like. I don't, I don't really know. But, the, uh, but yeah, no, I think a lot of it's just we're, we've, we've focused on it. Our, our chief of care um, is just really good at, at I guess, in tune to what the animals need in order to to make sure that we're successful with those programs and you know like for the clouded leopards we've increased the worldwide managed population of clouded leopards by over 20 percent just our little family-owned zoo here right right here in goddard and so wow so you know we've definitely had an impact yes from what i've read and heard over the years you take a wild animal and in in captivity or non-wild situation that breeding can be pretty iffy, so you guys must have know the secrets of the trade or, or what it takes to, to be successful at it. Yeah, and I think when you, you know, just like any industry, right, you start getting into the politics and, and people start to make things mucky uh, as far as, uh, you know, they'll, they'll look at things sometimes and, and they'll be, well, Cloud of Leopard A needs to to breed with clouded leopard D genetically, that's the most valuable matchup. Yeah. Yeah. But once you break them up, they're not going to ever breed again, or they might, you know, do, they do different things based on kind of what stud books, but you know, animals, maybe not as complex as people, but they, they definitely aren't robots. So yeah. it doesn't, uh, doesn't always work that way. And uh, like I said, Jim and, and Stephanie, our chief of care of just, uh, they're just really good at, at kind of knowing how to, how to, navigate all that matt do, do you host schools field trips is that something you do yes we we do uh we yeah we that was kind of how we started back in you know the early 2000s was a lot of scout groups school groups that kind of thing and so we've continued to do that in the in the spring and so uh we don't do the guided tours anymore they can add them but they do get to do some interactions uh when they come out to the park and i think again that's always been the key is uh, not just walking around and looking at animals. That's that's great, and that's a good step, but we, we really want people to be able to connect with them. And so we do include that in our school groups. But do you have uh, special events through the year? 
Yeah, so we uh, we had our, our annual fundraisers called the Twilight Tour, and that was just back in June. And then we have a Halloween event called Pumpkins at the Park that will be taking place in October. And then this last year, we actually added a Safari of Lights, which was a drive-through light show, uh, just to help kind of generate some revenue in the winter when we're closed. And that was that was very successful. So wow. uh, we'll, we're looking to to grow that again, you know, significantly this year as the second year. For those who don't know, exactly where is Tanganyika Wildlife Park? I know I can get to it going out west, Maple, right? Uh, <laughs> yeah, you can you can take Maple. For most people, I think they're going to probably take Kellogg, but it's just on the west edge of Wichita. So uh, just right there in Goddard, you're going to, if most if you're traveling Kellogg, you're going to go one mile north to Maple and then just head about another half mile west and you'll see Hawkins Lane. And uh, it currently is dirt, but hopefully someday we'll get it paved. <laughs> How about that? Hey, yeah. what, what's, uh, what's new and exciting for Tanganyika in the near future? Yeah, so I mean, we, you know, obviously, we, well, I mentioned the baby white tiger we just got. So uh, he's pretty cool. We w- want people to come out and see him. We had a baby pygmy hippo born uh, that people is now on exhibit and people can see and feed. Uh, well, he's learning how to feed at the station. But, uh, you know, kind of looking a little bit longer term, uh, we got the new white rhinos in and they'll be part of our new safari park, which we're just planning and, and hoping to open maybe here in a year or two. But that's going to almost double or triple the size of the park. You'll get to access it through a, a train, a truck, or possibly even a kayak. But uh, it's going to be a pretty awesome new addition to the park. Wow. That part there sounds like a lot of fun. I don't like a kayak. Huh? Okay. Anything, <laughs> when we talk about uh, fish, fowl, reptiles, anything as far as aqua, do you think it'll have a, a water? you ever ever have a, a like a, an, an aquarium or anything like that, you think? I don't know. I know a lot of our keepers would love for us to get like sea lions or something like that. Uh, I, I, I don't know. When you start getting into like marine mammals, uh, it's very expensive uh, and, and probably more suited for a larger zoo. Uh, it'd be difficult for us. Not impossible, but difficult. And then, you know, just regular aquarium stuff. I'm not going to rule it out. It's definitely uh, not something I mean, I'm not opposed to having it. Just haven't had the uh, situation where you know, I thought it would be a good fit for us just yet. But um, right now, I guess we have otters and penguins and an alligator. I guess that's yeah. about as aquatic as we get. Oh, the fish! You can feed the koi in the in the there creek, but that's so we got we got a little bit. But that that's probably where we're going to be for a while. Matt, you talked about uh, this week unloading rhinos, and I know that was probably pretty hard work. What is it though uh, about the, the park? What is it that uh, makes you get to jump out of bed every morning and want to come to the Tanganyika Wildlife Park? Yeah, and I, I think I alluded to it a little bit, but it's just, honestly, it's it's seeing people connect with the natural world. Like, you know, growing up with the animals, uh, I took them for granted for most of my life. So, you know, it wasn't a big deal to have tigers or giraffes in my backyard. Like, who doesn't? But the, but uh, it wasn't until we, after we opened the park, and we were a few years in, where I, I saw the impact and, and just story after story of, how the animals were like were were changing people's lives. They were impacting people uh, personally, but also just creating these amazing experiences for people and their families, right? And so that that's what I love. Like I to to be able to sh- to share what I got to kind of do as a kid, and and share these experiences with people, and that that's what I love. Oh, that's listen. what I love. That's, 
Matt, out of bed. Good luck to you. Thanks for being with us. We appreciate it. Our guest, Matt Fouts, Director, Tanganyika Wildlife Park in Goddard. That's all for this edition of Issues 2022. We'll be back next week. Thank you for listening. I'm Steve McIntosh.